Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have started and stopped this podcast more times than I can count. <laughs> like, trying to detail the nuances of the experience that I just went through that I'm still processing that, um, you know, that has been such a chapter in my life. Like it's weird. It's, it's, it's tough. And to like have a concrete account of, of exactly how I felt of, of, um, you know, a a story from my perspective and, and everything it's, it's hard. It's constantly evolving. Like this situation is something that is not, uh, you know, going away by any means, this is an ongoing process. And so I don't know, I guess sometimes you just kind of have to start and and see where things go. I think this is much less of an episode and much more of a meditation. Um, I think it's a, it's an opportunity for me to, you know, use this platform for its intended purpose, which was reflection, um, storytelling, sharing, and so this week on the podcast, I'm just going to talk all about uh, my experiences on Big Brother Canada. Welcome back to Life's a Wreck. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. We're back, baby. It's been uh, it's been far too long since I heard that uh, since I heard that intro. Um, I, I hope you've all been well. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate your patience with this episode coming out. This is a bit of a this is a bit of a weird one. Uh, before we kind of get into the episode, what it's all going to be about, you know, first of all, I just want to say to anybody who's uh, a new listener here, first of all. Thank you. I uh, really appreciate you checking out the podcast. This is Life's Wreck, the podcast where I, Kyle Moore, look at the world, uh, look at my world and my experiences, my stories through the lens of mental health. Um, mental health is something that has affected my life in a negative way for for many years. I have OCD and uh, general anxiety disorder. And um, this podcast was created as a way for me to um, have a platform to kind of feel comfortable to talk through the things that I was going through and hopefully connect with some people from, uh, you know, any corner of the world who are also going through the same things. And then uh, along the way, I've experimented with a few different, uh, a few different storytelling elements. I've, uh, you know, I've co-hosted this podcast with myself for a while. Um, you know, that's a, uh, that's a trope that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of evaluating and, and want to see, uh, 
kind of want to see what else we can do with the podcast right now. But um, yeah, yeah, along the way, we've had the opportunity to talk with special guests uh, about their stories and their experiences through the lens of mental health as well, um, and uh, and been able to connect on just some really amazing uh, some really amazing topics. Um, so this is a uh, you know this podcast. I always kind of say that it's a it's a casual foray into the world of mental health. Um, you know, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy who's been through the shit. You know, I'm a kid from a small town who uh, who has dealt with mental health issues behind the scenes for a really long period of time. Brought me to some really tough places, and uh, and now I I, I really seen the um, empowerment that comes with bringing those stories to the forefront. Um, and, uh, and and that's what we were here to do today. So it's been a while since I've uh, sat down and, and recorded an episode. Um, but I've just been through this really interesting experience in my life, and uh, you know, this is the whole point of this podcast. This is the platform to to talk through everything. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really know. Okay, like I'll I'll keep it. You know, I'll, I'll level with you guys. Like this has been one of those things where, like I said, like you know, it has been tricky to uh, sort through all of the emotions that come with uh, that come with an experience that's uh, that's as trying and and as taxing. Um, as, as stressful, but also as transformative as what I just went through. Um, for those of you who don't know, I just uh, participated in Big Brother Canada. And um, I, I always kind of say that like this really felt like a chapter in my life. You know, this was something that it it is a very important part of the uh, of the overall book of my life. And, um, you know, in looking at how, how do I want to go about telling this story? You know, if I'm going to call it a book, I'm going to tell this story. Like, how do I actually want to go about it? And I think that we need to, uh, and I truly, I want to go about it as a as a chapter in a book. There, you know, there's a beginning, middle, and end, and it's part of a bigger story. But I want to look at those three areas of this uh, of this experience. I want to look at um, my mental health leading up to going into the Big Brother Canada house. I want to look at what my mental health was like uh, in the Big Brother Canada house, and then post uh, the Big Brother Canada house, and then kind of like how I'm doing right now. Uh, but no good story is complete without a setting. And so, uh, you know, let's just, uh, let me just, uh, you know, let me slow things down a little bit here real quick. You know, let me just, uh, let me just set the, set the, set the tone, you know, let me just, let me just paint a picture where, where does this story begin? Well, I'm so glad you asked to understand this experience. We need to understand what is big brother. The term Big Brother became popularized in the late 1940s after George Orwell released his novel, 1984. 1984 was this social science sci-fi novel. It was a cautionary tale that was set in a dystopian and imagined future where the general populace is ruled by omnipresent government surveillance and a dictator named, if you don't know this one, you gotta keep up, Big Brother who is the leader of just a very, very sci-fi political party name, Just The Party. Fast forward to September 4th, 1997, when Dutch billionaire and media tycoon John DeMaul Jr. was having a brainstorming session with his media executives trying to come up with a new reality TV show. The group wanted to create a reality TV show that would replicate the 1991 Biosphere 2 experiment in the Arizona desert, In that experiment, eight men and women were put into a secluded, airtight glass and steel geodesic dome and told to survive together. Needless to say, they had a bit of a tough time. The original idea was to put six contestants into a luxurious house for close to a year. Whoever walked out the winner would walk out a millionaire. 
As the group continued to develop on the idea, they thought, you know what? We don't think it's enough to just cut them off from the outside world, to stick these strangers in a house and make them compete against one another for a million guilder. No, they thought, maybe we can take the level of broadcasts, the level of intimacy that reality TV provides to the next level by introducing 24-7 streaming video. This video would be broadcast out to the internet and the audience would be able to check in on the house guests at any point they want. And what would you call something that is an omnipresent surveillance system? Big Brother was born. So we have a setting, we have a theme, but now we need the characters. And so in walks... 22 years after the very first season of Big Brother was ever broadcast, there was a strapping young gentleman who decided, you know what, I'm going to apply for Big Brother Canada. And sure enough, he finds himself on, and that man's name was Kyle Moore. Oh, good for the podcast boy. Always knew he could do it. Must be him. That Has to be. Here's a little spoiler, though. I'm not that guy. Wow. <gasps> what a twist. Uh, I'm the guy who, at the time, was living with his parents halfway across the country, uh, had recently graduated from university into the middle of the pandemic. Everything was kind of weird. And uh, I just so happened to have the exact same name as Kyle Moore from Red Deer, Alberta, who was participating in season nine of, uh, of Big Brother Canada. And so at the time when the cast was announced, uh, there was a bunch of people who mist- uh, mistaken um, you know, me for, for Kyle. And... Uh, you know, rightfully so. We actually looked pretty similar. We had the same names and uh, and people just kind of like, you know, had some fun with it. The, the Big Brother fandom had some fun with it. And, uh, and you know, I saw it as a tremendous opportunity. I thought that, uh, you know, this would be something that would be, you know, an absolutely, this would be such an incredible opportunity. It would be such a great experience, like to be able to participate in something like this in a social experiment. I've always been so fascinated by the world of mental health, by the the world of people and and how people interact. And to be able to participate in something like that, I just thought that that was the coolest thing in the world. And so I really played into it. I I had a lot of fun with it. I met a lot of people within the community and and chatted with everyone from past house guests to, uh, to people who had, who had watched, um, you know, the big brother Canada fairly religiously. I watched all of season nine and I became absolutely hooked on the show. And I really started to realize after the momentum that was being carried that I had a super significant possibility of, uh, of being on the show. And so to give you some insight into where I was mentally, because I mean, that's kind of why we're here. You know, I, I just saw it as being, you know, this is the focus. This is something that would have tremendous, you know, positive impact on all factors of my life. Um, you know, it was, it, it, it also gave me something to work towards. It gave me something that like, if I was like, okay, this, this could actually be a thing. This is an opportunity for me to really see, you know, how far I've come. It's a, it, it's a, you know, it's going to be a very, powerful benchmark to see the work that I've done and, um, you know, this relationship that I've been working on with myself, like kind of where am I at in that relationship? And so I, you know, I, so I saw it as like this, I saw it as my Mount Everest. I saw this as being one of those things where I reflected back on where I had been in my life. And I really started, this was the, this was the point. So this was a whole year of, you know, dedicating, you know, uh, I don't know what you'd want to call it, kind of like fuel, like brain fuel. This was, uh, you know, I was dedicating this at this energy and this, um, this, this real estate in my head to preparing for something so stressful and for something so intense. And, uh, you know, and I think that, um, and it was, and it was strange and it was, and it was, it was exciting though. And I, and once I kind of knew that this was, uh, going to be something that was actually going to happen, it became, 
it became like I, you know, I really started to think about it almost like a, uh, you know, it was, it was solely to prove something to myself. I remember I started to write out, uh, before I went into the house, I started to write out this, uh, you know, a list of things, um, that, uh, I would really like, uh, you know, my team to work on while I was in the house and I wanted to leave them like a little note and I really affectionately, and this is super ironic and trust me, it's, it's not lost to me by any means. Um, but I called it the Icarus manifest. And because, uh, I've always been a huge fan of Greek mythology, but, kind of the whole the whole mental catalyst to wanting to go participate on a show like Big Brother was the fact that you know I wanted an opportunity to to see if I could fly I wanted the opportunity to spread my wings and um and you know I what I kept telling myself and the reason that I was so you know fixated on this uh this Icarus myth is because the the myth of Icarus is that um Icarus's father uh, he built the labyrinth where the Minotaur was uh, was kept for a king, and the king wanted to keep that a complete secret. So he banished Icarus and his father um, to a tower in the middle of the ocean. And Icarus's father was seen as one of the greatest builders in all of uh, in all of Greek history. And so he was put up on the top of this tower. They would die there, and and with them would die the secret of the labyrinth. And so Icarus's father. Um, who I believe his name was Daedalus, and I'll and I'll have to look that up, but I'm I'm pretty sure. Hi, Kyle here. Just popping in here for a second, just editing. Uh, Icarus's father was named Daedalus, so chalk one up for the good guys. <laughs> pretty cool episode, right? Okay, back to it. Um, you know, Daedalus created these these wings out of uh, out of birds' feathers, and he uh, he made these wings for himself and for his son and he told Icarus he gave Icarus a warning and said if you fly too close to the sun the adhesive that I've used to 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 bond the feathers together will melt and you'll plummet into the surf below and if you fly too close to the surf the water will get on the wings and it will they will get heavy and uh you're you're you'll be dragged again down into the surf and either way you'll die so you have to stay within this safe spot and why I've always liked that myth so much is because it's used as a cautionary tale. It was used as a tale to say that you shouldn't try to be something that you're not. You shouldn't, uh, you know, there, there, is a, there is a limit to the capacity that, that one is capable of kind of thing. And um, what I've always loved about that is that uh, so, so Icarus and his father, they jump off this tower, they spread their wings and they start to fly. And as they're flying, Icarus feels the sun on his back and he feels the wind in his hair and he really and he and he feels free and so he starts to fly higher and higher because he wants to feel the sun's warmth and his father starts calling out to him warning him don't go too high don't go too high um and eventually Icarus gets too high up in the air the sun melts the wax on the wings and he falls down into the surf and he dies and you know as i said it's used as this cautionary tale but what i really love in and what some um you know people have interpreted the story throughout time is that Icarus still flew Icarus still did something that that no one else has you know that no no one else has experienced that a, that a human wasn't supposed to experience but he pushed the limitations of what it meant to be uh, of what it meant to be uh to be human um and and it's it's one of those things where there's always you know there's always the catch 22 where it's like it is a cautionary tale and and there are you know you shouldn't uh shouldn't put yourself in like life or death situations and say hey you know like hey, you know how far can we take this thing but just the the fact of like you know knowing that going into this house you know i was i was meditating daily i was rock solid mentally i felt so good i really did you know, I, I leading up to the house, like even before I went into sequester, even when I was at home, you know, every day I was manifesting, I was telling myself, you know, I'm going to be the win, like, I am the winner of big brother Canada. I am the winner of big brother Canada. And I, and I believed that because 
you know, I was adopting this Icarus mindset of, you know, regardless if I crash and burn, which obviously we've all seen what happened, we'll get into that eventually. Um, you know, regardless of, of the outcome of what go, what goes on, you know, I'm just going to take a chance to spread my wings and that will be enough of a win for me. And I will take that. And regardless of the outcome, regardless if I'm first out or what, I am the winner of Big Brother Canada 10 because of the lessons that I'll learn from this experience and what I'll take forward and the good that will be done with this time in my life, um, you know, makes me a winner in, uh, you know, amongst my own perception. And, uh, and so, you know, I was meditating daily um, or, or borderline daily. Uh, I was reading books. I was doing research. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was doing these meditations where, um, you know, I would, I would always imagine that I was sitting down and I would walk into a room and I would imagine, imagine this in my, in my head that I would be sitting down and I would walk into a room and in the room would be a version of myself. And I never, I never tried to make it a certain version of myself. I never said, okay, I want this to be, you know, I'm going to talk with, uh, with me at 16 or I'm going to talk with me, you know, at 30 or 50 or whatever. Like, I'm just going to talk to whatever version of myself is behind this door. And I would go in and I would, and it would, the whole focus of it was to develop this relationship with myself because I knew that that relationship would be, would be pushed. Um, once I got in the house and granted, I'll say I was completely, I was not ready to the extent at which I would be, um, mentally challenged in that house. Um, that, uh, the, you know, the limits that I would be pushed to, um, I wasn't ready for the, for it really at all. I think that when you just watch, it's so funny because it's like as a viewer, um, and as a fan of the show, like when you watch it, you're like, okay, I see what's going on. You know, I'm good at reading people. I'm, I'm good at handling tough situations. I'm good at communicating in my daily life, whatever it may be. Um, it looks so much easier than it really is. And so I fell into that trap too, where I was like, okay, I was mentally preparing for, you know, tough situations, but I wasn't mentally preparing for, um, what I would describe as kind of like, you know, human situations where, you know, things, uh, you know, people take things and, and, you know, people are in this environment and it's tricky for them. And so they're, you know, doing things or saying things that they wouldn't normally do or say, and, uh, and it, you know, I wasn't ready for kind of like the human elements of everything. I was ready for the game, but I wasn't ready for like the games within the games. And I think that that's something that's like super important to, um, to kind of take into uh, consideration. Um, so then the day comes and I get flown out to Toronto and I'm super excited. I'm put into sequester. I have my phone taken away. I have all of these luxuries that, um, that I would normally have in my day-to-day life in terms of like my support systems and contacts and that kind of stuff. I have all of that stripped away. And, you know, uh, it was beautiful. It was amazing. One of my, you know, in terms of talking about mental health, not having my phone for the extended period that I was, uh, that I was away and, and kind of in that big brother world was so, so nice. It, it genuinely felt like this, like this unplugged, um, you know, I, there was no, after a few days, you know, I, I stopped, like, I stopped wishing I had it, you know, I started to really appreciate the peace that, um, that the isolation brought me. It was an opportunity for me to spend time with nobody but myself, something that's been really tough for me for a lot of years. And so I was, and so I felt, I felt really good. Um, I, I just, uh, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like I, you know, sitting there and, and just focusing on doing something, you know, when I was a kid, I loved to read. I, I absolutely adored it. And so with me, I brought a ton of library books. Um, I read a, I read a book about, um, con artists before I went into the house, which, uh, obviously 
didn't go particularly didn't uh you know i didn't quite uh, absorb as much information from that book as i would have uh as i would have liked to um i read a book about um some of uh, history's greatest artists and and it uh you know profiled their work i think it was a hundred different artists uh and i got to uh you know read through all of that i read a uh, biography on jean-michel basquiat um i uh, there was a few other things i read a book about oh my gosh i read a book about the conscious brain the, um like what is consciousness and it was just like you know i i just i felt I felt clear. I felt good. I, I, you know, that I have to give credit to, uh, to, to big brother for, um, you know, having that time to kind of, uh, to kind of settle into yourself because it is certainly, uh, you know, for me, it was super beneficial to sit down and, and, you know, focus on having a routine, woke up at the same time every day, had a coffee at the same time every day, um, read for the same amount of time every day, pretty much, uh, you know, listen to music at a certain time it was just like, it was like clockwork. And I, and I really started to settle into this. Um, like I was bored. Sure. But I felt clear. Like I felt, you know, I felt sharp and, uh, and, you know, I, I would sit there and I would, I would put my, uh, you know, headphones in and I had a, uh, you know, I did have like a little iPod, um, that, uh, you know, you, you guys might see if you're a fan of the show and you watch when you win HOH, you have the, you have the iPod and I would put it on. And I remember that, uh, you know, just to hear that, uh, just to hear that jazz music, it was exciting. It was light. I think it largely reflected my mental state, um, during that, uh, during that time leading up to the house where I felt bold, I felt prepared, I felt ready. Um, you know, I, I felt, uh, I, I felt inspired and creative and, um, you know, and I felt, but I also, I also had this, uh, you know, I also had this feeling of like, um, it was, it was strange. It was like, I was completely, you know, I had very, you know, my freedoms were, were kind of, uh, taken down quite a significant notch, obviously. Um, but I did, I just felt, I felt free within my mind and it was a, uh, and it was truly, truly a wonderful thing. And then the day came when... I woke up, got dressed, left the hotel, got to the house, walked on stage with Arissa, those doors opened, and the next little partner story begins. This is where the bulk of this episode is going to be, because in the house, it's so unbelievably hard to describe what it was like to actually live in that house. And it's also, all of this is coming from a place of reflection. So, you know, as many of you know, when you're reflecting on things, that reflection changes pretty regularly as you continue to process, uh, process the events of, of what happened and, um, uh, you know, process the environment that you were in. And so this is going to be something that I'm going to talk about more than once. This is just kind of where I'm at right now and, and what my view is on uh, on everything that, uh, you know, how I felt in the house, everything that went down. And um, yeah, and it, it's tough, right? Because it's like, you know, there's only so much that you can talk about because you do have to be sensitive to, uh, you know, the, the mountains of paperwork that I've signed. Um, and, um, you know, having the, the show's best interest in mind. Uh, and, and so there are going to be, there are going to have to be a few like really key things that, that have to be left out. Um, but that's just that, you know, that's the nature of everything. And we're going to try to get through as much of it, um, efficiently and as in, in, in as much detail, um, as possible. So, I mean, like, yeah, how was the house? Well, um, it is, it is truly an environment that I, I cannot describe at all because, especially coming out of um 
sequester, you are, I was, I shouldn't say you, I should say, you know, I'm talking in a reflective sense. So I was starved for social community, like social interaction. Um, that is something like having a social life, having people around me, having a support system. These are all things that are so unbelievably crucial to my mental health and my well-being, and just kind of like who I am as a person. And so to be isolated from that for, for an, uh, an extended period of time before you actually go into the house, when all of the sudden you, those doors open and it is just like lights, colors, cameras, people, it's, it's so it's so surreal. It's just, you know, I just instantly like wanted to go around. I wanted to, the the whole kind of like idea, the strategy going into this game was I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be likable. I wanted to be like the, you know, the East coast guy who's always up for a good conversation. Um, I give every, you know, try to chat with everybody, give everybody the time of day, um, not try to isolate anyone. I, I figured in an environment like that, that there would be some people would kind of find themselves on the outs from watching past seasons. You know, I wanted to be somebody who was, um, who, who was kind to people and, um, and always kind of showed people that, uh, that regardless of whether we butted heads in, um, in the game sense that I had the, that, that I truly did care about them, um, as a person and as a competitor. Um, and so even though like, you know, whatever, so going into that house, like, you know, a million things are running through your head. This is, you know, I was so initially blinded by, you know, the fact that I had dedicated a whole year of my life like this, you know, calling this a chapter in my book, like it's, it, it's significant. It's significant because this was like 365 days of preparing for this moment. And now I, and now you walk through the doors and you're there and, and all of a sudden you know that that game is, that game has started and it is a cutthroat, ruthless game. And you do have to check a little bit of your soul at the door. And, and that, and that's, that's strange. It's strange to do that as, as somebody who kind of like works, like, you know, I, I, like I, I try my best in, in everyday life to champion those around me and to, uh, you know, to be somebody who, who is empathetic and somebody who is there for my friends and my family and for people who, you know, just reach out and they're like, Hey, I need somebody to talk to you about this stuff. And you talk about mental health on, on your podcast. Like, can I, can I, you know, use you as a sounding board? And it's like, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's so I, I I knew as soon as I got to this part that there would be so like there's just it's so much to talk about that you almost kind of are like lost for words. Um, in in just like the whole yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty surreal. Um, as I found that I settled into that environment week one and week two, um, you know I felt really good. I really did. I felt really good. I was like you know. I was very conscious of, you know, those around me, conversations I had, information that people were, uh, that people were giving me. Um, you know, I was having good conversations with people. I th- thought that I was building some really good game relationships. Um, I felt, I felt good. I, I, the one, you know, I, I aligned with a lot of people in the house very quickly. That was a huge detriment to my game kind of, um, after winning the week three HOH. Um, but at the time, like, you know, I was super well insulated. There was so many different like, uh, alliances and people that I, I truly did feel like had, um, you know, saw me as being a big part of their game. And, um, and that was, and that was, that was really, really great. So like, I did definitely like, you know, those, those first few weeks, like, you know, I was meditating regularly. Um, you know, Gino and I hit it off really well. And I, and I kind of, and, and Marty as well, like, you know, while I was there, Marty and I really supported in those first few weeks, like Marty and I really supported each other, um, 
quite pretty significantly. Like we were, we were very much there for each other. Um, Marty opened up to me about, um, his previous mental health challenges. I talked to him about mine. Um, you know, we really bonded over like the fact that this, this environment was one that's not exactly conducive, um, to supporting like, you know, somebody who, uh, somebody who, who kind of has to, uh, put a little bit of extra work into making sure that their uh, mental health is maintained. Uh, and so we, we became a support system for each other. So, um, that was super important. So all of a sudden, you know, I, I felt comfortable because even though there was, you know, even though the cameras and I did, I felt vulnerable. I kept, you know, with these meditations, I kept reminding myself of how proud I was that I was coming and I was doing this thing that I was here to compete. I am a competitor. I'm a player. I now have, you know, Gino and I were meditating daily. Marty and I were having conversations about mental health. Um, you know, Steph, um, you know, she's absolutely, I love Steph. Steph is, is such a beautiful person inside and out. And, um, I, she, you know, made it very, you know, she, she was somebody who also like, you know, she works, um, in the mental health space. And so we were able to have a lot of good conversations and she was there. If I did kind of start to get that, uh, that little bit of, um, you know, I, I could feel that anxiety keeping in, or I did feel a little bit, I think, you know, the claustrophobia of, of that place, that was something that I kind of had to deal with of like knowing that you can leave at any time, but you're still, you're, you're still confined to that house. And, and, you know, that can be challenging when sometimes you're like, I would love nothing more than to just like leave these people, go outside, stretch my legs, go for a walk, breathe some fresh air. And you can't do that. So, you know, those first few weeks, like I I did genuinely, the, the, the feelings that I had leading up to the house were bleeding over into, um, into the house themselves. And, um, I just felt clear. I felt clean. I felt clear. I felt, um, I felt like I had, I felt like I had control, even though I was in a, in an environment that I was largely out of control. I knew that like with these meditations that I could only like that I, that I had control over my mental health. I had control over myself. Um, which is a, which is a very comforting, um, fact to me. Um, and then like things started to really kind of shift between that week two and week three. There was a lot of stress that was kind of, um, you know, the, the game was really starting to hit some people hard and, and, you know, there was some, there was some stuff that kind of, uh, transpired that really unlocked this part of my anxiety, um, because it was, I, I, that human element that I talked about earlier, that kind of started to come into play where I was under the impression and what I had mentally prepared myself for and what was a flaw. And this is, you know, if you ever want to play big brother, like this is something that, uh, you know, definitely something to learn from, but, um, you know, I was, I was prepared for the human elements of it, but I wasn't necessarily like prepared for the, um, the things that, that very much felt like they existed and that they were so much bigger outside of the game and that they had real world implications, I think is the best way to describe it. And so I, I kind of, cause like my whole mentality going into the game and, um, you know, and everything was like, I'm going to go in there. I am checking who Kyle Moore is at the door. I am, you know, I am now competition mode Kyle Moore. I will, you know, if, if I got to, you know, if I got to like, I, I would always joke that the only way that, um, anybody's ever taking me out of this house is, uh, is either with a hundred thousand dollars through the back door or, or in a body bag. Um, because I was, I was ready to do anything. Like I always, I would joke with my friends, but I, you know, I was completely serious. Like in those endurance comps, like if it was an endurance comp that I had to win, I would have been more than happy to look over at the person beside me and, and tell them that I'll die up here. Like I'm, there's, I am, you know, locked into this, this competitive mindset is, uh, you know, I will do anything. I will work harder than you. I will do whatever it takes 
to make this thing, make this thing happen. But yeah, I wasn't. Uh, and so that's the thing is I was like, I was prepared for people to uh, shit talk my game. I was prepared for, um, you know, mentally, I had pre- mentally prepped for people to shit talk my game, um, for people to, you know, for people to, to you know, uh, butt, butt heads with me or, or not necessarily want to work with me, whatever. Um, but, you know, it was when it was when like, you know, things are things are brought up that you were like, oh, man, like that, you know, I, I there was I just started to feel as that week, as week two transitioned to week three, I started to feel more vulnerable. And I started to feel like there were, there were real world implications at play that the safety of my family or that the safety of, um, you know, my friends, yeah, my loved ones, you know, I felt like that was, that was at risk. And that brought up a lot of, um, you know, uh, some of those OCD tendencies where I had like tremendous anxiety surrounding, um, mortality as a kid and, uh, you know, thinking of harm, you know, coming, my dad worked a really dangerous job. And I always thought, you know, what, you know, one of the things that in my OCD, was like always good night, love you, see you in the morning. I had to say those three things. And it was just kind of like this one thing that would give my brain comfort because if, you know, something bad happened to my dad, then at least that, you know, I could say like, okay, the last thing I said to my dad was that I loved him and that's something that I can kind of take solace in. Um, and I would do that regardless of whether he was just like, oh, I'm running to the grocery store. I would, I would kind of, I would always, you know, all right, I'll see you later. I love you. Like I always had to say I love you before they, you know, anybody would go and anybody that I cared about would go and do anything. And so, you know, that, that, um, that fear and that, uh, anxiety surrounding losing people or that the fact that people would, would, um, experience harm, it was something that all of a sudden, like, uh, something, you know, kind of something kind of flicked and that anxiety that I'd worked a year, a year to, um, to, to develop this, like to develop a much healthier relationship with that, uh, that anxiety that's ever present in my life, all of the sudden, it was like, you know, it was the valve that like, you know, typically is, is a little bit more open than maybe, uh, with some other people. Um, and all, and instead I was able to turn it down a little bit going into the house, but then you start to turn it a little bit more, a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, and this thing, and this thing, you know, goes off and, uh, and I had a really, really bad anxiety attack, um, which, uh, which happened between week two and week three. And, uh, and that was, uh, and that was kind of like where things started to, uh, and that's where, yeah, that's when things really started to kind of like, that's when it hit me. That's when I started to notice the cameras a lot more. That mic pack, um, felt like it was 15 pounds. I had trouble eating. I had trouble sleeping. Um, you know, I had trouble using the bathroom. That was wild. That was something that I'd never experienced before in my life until going into the big brother house was literally going into the bathroom and being so worked up and tense that like, I couldn't use, like I I had to go, couldn't. And it was just like, and it was, and, and I just like, I got these pits in my stomach and I just started to feel these like old, um, you know, I, I started to feel these old tendencies and these, these old thought processes and, um, you know, this old mental environment started because it, because it's this, um, you know, growing up and not knowing how to manage my mental health. It was the, you know, I would be put in this, you know, when, when you're having, um, severe anxiety, you go into a fight or flight, um, uh, like your, your fight or flight, um, oh my goodness, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, I would find myself very regularly in the the fight or flight state, 
Um, and, uh, and, and that feeling of survival started to take over. And that was, and that was when like, you know, I just like, I kind of like, I just knew I was like, I got to get this thing back on track. I, I got to get this shit under control. <laughs> like, this is, uh, you know, this is not how I want to be operating in a game that has so much nuance when, um, the part of my brain that's dedicated towards kind of like, uh, you know, intuition and critical thinking is giving its energy to the survival part of my brain um, because it uh, because it senses this this immediate uh, you know it senses that we're in significant danger um, and uh, and it was tough because in this very familiar fight fight or flight um, you know response and in this environment like typically flight is an option but in the Big Brother Canada house it's not so all of a sudden it just became fight. It was just, you know, it was just adrenaline running through my, you know, veins 24 seven, the world, you know, it had already been shrunk down to 16 people. And then from there, it was being shrunken down more and more and more. And I was mentally backing myself back, like up into a corner, um, because of just like, you know, just this, this survival instinct, you know, I latched onto ideas that were pitched my way. Um, you know, I, I decided I was like, okay, I'm only going to listen to X, Y, and Z because, you know, I'm just not in a good headspace and whatever. And then, um, you know, obviously because of that severely limiting where, um, you know, the information that, uh, that I was operating with and that's, and, you know, I won, uh, the week three HOH, which was one that I did not want to win. I wanted to go over the edge. I literally, like I was trying to get, I had a good head of steam. I thought I was going to get there. Cause I didn't want it to look obvious that I was trying to, uh, that I was trying to toss it. Um, and, uh, and obviously I didn't want to like talk about what was going on in my head with too many people because I was like, okay, like, you know, I have to make sure that like, I'm dealing with this, um, with like the, the, you know, couple of people that I feel, um, most trusting with the, you know, with, and I was like, okay, like, I'm going to make sure that I just go a little bit over the edge. Um, and the front, to, on my sled, the front went off the edge of the competition that I was doing and, um, it kind of grinded to a halt and I ended up winning that competition. And I knew that I was in trouble because I, you know, I know myself and to know that I was going into a week where I had to make significant decisions <laughs> And I was already in a really weird, weird mindset, um, a mindset that was, uh, that was being overtaken, um, by, uh, by old, uh, old habits, old mental, uh, mental habits that, that did not serve me then and surely didn't serve me now. Um, you know, I knew that I was, uh, I knew that I was going to be in some, some trouble. Something that one of the alumni said to me that I think is really, um, really powerful is that like that game, there is an element of ability, but you really kind of, you really start to realize that it's, it's less about ability and more about tolerance. It's like, how much can you handle without, without, um, you know, deviating from a, from a a healthy thought process. Um, you know, how much can your body handle? How much can you, uh, you know, how much can you take? And, um, and I think that after, after my game, after my brain was taken out of the game, um, you know, my tolerance for, for what I was able to, yeah, for what I was able to tolerate everything kind of, uh, you know, it dropped off significantly, but I do think that there are some analogies that I'm going to kind of like, you know, run through different little like lessons that, uh, in hindsight that I've learned that, um, you know, I definitely look back on very fondly and I'm, and I'm, um, really looking forward to, uh, implementing them back into, uh, into my daily life. Um, you know, first of all, it's like, uh, relationships. I think that in that house, especially during, um, my HOH week, I started to see that like, when you have, when you have an excess amount of relationships in your life, 
there are going to be some that fall by the wayside because you there there's only so much that you are capable of um, to maintain in a healthy manner as a person. And that differs from person to person. Um, but in that house, like, you know, there are so many people who think that they have a certain kind of relationship with you. And, um, and if you don't give them the time that they think that they're owed, it can be something that, uh, you know, relationships that you really care about are falling. So it's like in terms of prioritizing relationships, I think that that is something that like, you know, I can't be, uh, you know, I can't be a friend to everybody because then I'm a friend to no one. You know what I mean? It's like, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to commit my time and my, um, and, and parts of my life to, to be shared with, uh, you know, one person or another, it's like, I want to make sure that I'm able to give them you know, what they need and what I need to maintain that relationship. And it's like, I'm not going to overload my plate um, as much going forward because trust me in the house, there were so many people who came up to me and were like, Oh, like you didn't, you didn't talk to me at all about this. And so like, I felt like I was kind of being used and the entire time I'm not thinking I'm using them at all, but just uh, you know, which brings us to the next point, which is just communication and like just how drastically important it is um, to, to communicate with people. Um, You know, communication is just something that like, it's talked about so much, but it's also like, it's also how do you communicate? And this was something that I'm definitely learned and like, and I'm, I'm really like looking at very objectively in terms of my own life. It's like, because of the fact that I have lived parts of my life in those, you know, fight or flight modes or, or, um, you know, I've, I've operated under maybe some, uh, some times of significant stress. How do I communicate in those times? And, you know, I think it's easy to say, well, like, you know, well, I was in X, Y, and Z, I said this, or I didn't do that or whatever. And you kind of blame it on the mental state, but it's like, if that's something that's regular and familiar, like I see it for me as being something that that's something that I, that's a, mindset in which I need to learn how to still effectively communicate. My communication shouldn't drop off in those moments when communication is all the more critical. That's what, that's where the effort should be put in to learn how to communicate properly in those, uh, in those times. Um, and so that's something that, uh, you know, I definitely, I definitely have to make, you know, it's like through your communication, you have to, you have to exemplify, you have to show people, um, the value that they hold to you and, and how you are, almost kind of like valuing the situation. Um, you know, you're, it's just, it's just hugely, hugely important. It's something that I'm going to, I'm going to work on. And then the other thing was quiet leadership. I thought that, um, you know, especially after my, uh, week three HOH, um, I really kind of started to see like people who, uh, do really well in the house. They have a knack for quiet leadership. Um, you know, I, I really pride myself. I, am not a, I'm not, uh, I've learned over the past year that my communication is something that I need to continuously work on. It's, and I, and I will, and everyone should, and you know, forever. Um, but it's something that I always thought I was really good at, um, just because of the fact that I'm very open, I'm a very open person, but like, you know, how I communicate with one person to another and, and, um, you know, how I communicate with uh, the people in my life and everything, I, it's something I need to work on, but the leadership was always something that I was like, okay, like I, you know, I love to bring people together. I love to, um, I love to be like outspoken and, and, you know, rah, rah, and make sure that uh, people know that they're being uh, supported and, and championed and valued. Um, but quiet leadership was something that was like very significant. It was, you know, leading through your actions and, uh, and not necessarily your words. I just think that that's something that, um, you know, it's so much, it just feels like less performative. It feels more genuine when it's like, okay, um, you know, I'm going to let everybody know kind of where I'm at. I'm going to do the thing that I said I was going to do. Um, we're going to do this together and then we're going to kind of move forward. Um, and it being something that's more methodical and, uh, much more, much more externally, um, 
externally focused versus internally focused about like, oh, like how can I accomplish what I want to do with the people around me? It's like, how can we collect, like, how can I, um, through my actions show these, you know, show the people around me that I, um, you know, value their work, that I need their work and that, um, and that their ideas and their, their passions and motivations are really important to kind of like where, where I'm at. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll even say it was so funny after, um, Gino put me up, that was the first time that I actually finally felt like I had, like, I was like, oh, like it, which is weird, right? Because like, obviously I was put up on the block in the back door. I knew if Gino put me on the block that there was no way that I was going to stay. And I think there was a, definitely a part of me that was just like, okay, I get to, I get to play this game again. I get to have fun. Like it became so real and it became so like real world. And and obviously because of the fact that there was real world emotion being brought into it and, um, and real world mental states that have, that have been really detrimental in the, in the past. Um, all of a sudden it felt like a game again when I was put up because it was like, I have nothing to lose. I, there's a good likelihood I'm going home. I get to actually play the game. And there was definitely like, there was definitely this like sigh of relief. And I was like, if I, I'm, listen, I wanted to stay in that game. I'm a, I am a competitive guy. And going into that, I was dedicated. I dedicated so much of my time to that. I was like, there is, you know, I will fight tooth and nail to stay in this house the best that I can. I will campaign, you know, campaign to everybody. I will apologize for whatever people want me to apologize for. Um, you know, I'll, I'll try to try to do my best. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of nice. And like, it was, uh, yeah, I was definitely, I definitely felt at peace after that, knowing that like, okay, um, you know, this is, uh, this is, this is good. This feels more like me. This feels more like, uh, you know, being able to see this game objectively. And, and it was just, uh, and it was funny that that brought me peace by literally just giving me almost like a, uh, you know, kind of like shaking me out of it a little bit. It was, um, it was really cool. Um, I do want to say there's two things that I want to say um, before I kind of like wrap up this, uh, this portion of our, of our fun little story. Um, you know, so first of all, um, in that, in that really wonderful feeling of like relief, when I was kind of put up on the block, I was like, okay, I get to be me. I get to play my game. I get to, uh, I get to go out as a fighter um, and, and all this stuff, obviously coming into the house and because that this experience meant so, so much to me in terms of, proving to myself that, you know, cause when I was 20 years old, like I couldn't look myself in the mirror. Genuinely, I was at rock bottom in my life. Um, you know, last year of university and, and, um, with everything happening with the pandemic and everything, like it was a really tough time. I found myself in some very, you know, I, I suicidal ideation. I, I found myself, you know, regular panic attacks. I could, I truly like the, my relationship with myself was you know, was, was laced with self-loathing. It was terrible. And so the fact that I had come so far in three years that I had, I had put like blood, sweat and tears, I'd fucking crawled my way back from rock bottom, like bloody, you know, fingernails in the works, like, you know, really put that, uh, that work in, you know, knowing that I was on this, on this stage and like, you know, I, I knew how much sharing my story has helped me and has also helped people in my community and the life's wreck community. Um, and so, you know, I, I really did see like a, a tremendous opportunity because of how wonderfully diverse this cast was. Um, and I'm so proud to be part of such a diverse cast. It was it was really incredible to to hear about everyone's backgrounds and um, to to learn more about different communities that I that I haven't had the chance to uh, you know learn about before um, at length. It was it was amazing. And so I really saw like I was like okay like you know these are a lot of different communities and I want people to in these different communities to feel comfortable talking about their mental health. And I think that a great way to do this um, is to uh, you know have us all kind of sit down and and have a casual 
open conversation about um, about mental health. Um, and so I went around and I made sure that, uh, you know, and I made sure and I told everyone, I was like, yeah, listen, it's my last night here. Like I at that point, the writing was on the wall that I was going to be evicted the next day. And so um, and so I was kind of like, listen, like, you know, I really want to use this platform for, um, you know, some mental health awareness. I want to have a have an open uh, dialogue in terms of kind of like what mental health um, means to everybody in this room, because I know that in certain, uh, you know, with certain people's backgrounds uh, in my back, you know, with my background, I wasn't talked about at all when I was a kid. Um, you know, it was something that was very hush hush. It was kept under the radar. And it's like, and even if that's your relationship with mental health, like, I think that that's really important to acknowledge. And so, you know, I, and so we, we, you know, I had everybody, uh, come down and everyone agreed that, yeah, oh, it sounds good. And we, we sat down and, um, that was, you know, and it was one of those things where in the moment it, it sprung from a place, the idea sprung from a place of, of, um, open dialogue and, um, and, you know, and I, and, and letting people know that, you know, you can share as much or li- as little as you'd like, but obviously when you're going to have, um, those conversations, like in hindsight, it was not the environment, um, to have a conversation like that. Um, you know, having one-on-one conversations with people and, and, uh, you know, possibly looking to, uh, looking to share those, uh, perspectives, um, in, in smaller doses for sure. But when you bring a group of people together in a really stressful environment, I guess I wasn't just, I, I, you know, and I, I wasn't, um, you know, I, I really do feel bad about, uh, and, and, you know, this is something that I'll talk with everyone about, um, from the cast and that kind of stuff afterwards. Um, you know, it was something that I was like, it, it became, one of those things where I was, you know, I was very, uh, you know, happy at the time because I was like, you know, you can share as much, as much or as little as you'd like. Um, but when you're in that stressful environment, obviously like, you know, I, I saw for myself how, uh, you know, you might feel, uh, you know, you might feel one way or another, or, um, you might not, uh, you know, hell everyone's playing a game. You know, you could think that it's dishonest. You could think that you're trying to you're, you're being tricked into sharing very intimate details about yourself on a, on a very public platform. Um, and these were all things that I, you know, I, because of the fact that I was looking at this as such a, you know, overwhelming positive, I didn't really go into, um, I didn't really think through, it was like, okay, like, you know, is this really the time to, to have this conversation? This is a conversation that needs to be had. It needs to be broadcast. And, um, I hope that all of these people, you know, want to have this conversation and whatever. And the fact that they all agreed to be here, um, I was like, okay, like that's, you know, they can, they can have this. So I, I talked, talked about my own story. I talked about the, you know, the fact that this podcast has been a, a form of therapy for me in terms of sharing. And I've really seen the impact and the power that sharing can have. Um, but just, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, like in hindsight, seeing how, you know, it brought up a lot in some people and in that environment, that's a tough time to have those really, those really, you know, um, uh, tough experiences brought to light. And, and, you know, maybe it's something that, uh, you know, you offer up at the time and, uh, you know, you feel comfortable with it, but then in hindsight, you're looking and you're going, okay, well, you know, maybe I haven't told my parents about this and I'm, you know, or, or my friends or whatever. And like, and so I think that, uh, the, the publicness of it all, um, is something that, uh, is something that I, uh, you know, I regret with my work in advocacy, so much of it has just been story-based. It's been, um, you know, sharing. I've never claimed to be a mental health professional. I'm not a mental health professional. Um, I'm an advocate through sharing my stories and offering others a platform to share theirs. And I, and I saw that that's, and I saw it as that, as being that, as offering people, you know, saying, I'm going to share my story. If you guys feel comfortable, you guys can as well. Um, but, you know, touching back on the communication, I just don't think I communicated as, pro- as, as well as I could have. Um, and I think that certain people kind of, uh, 
you know, in, in the moment, you know, it feels good to kind of uh, bring these things out to the forefront and they know that it's, um, you know, it's something that holds a ton of benefit to other people who see themselves in them and they say, okay, well, if that person can have that conversation, then I can too. And truly, like, those are the kind of conversations that I've seen firsthand. I've had people tell me, um, you know, reach out and tell me, like, those are the conversations that truly save lives. And so I thought, you know, this is, hey, I'm walking out the door tomorrow. I want to try to use this unbelievable platform for as much good as possible but i feel like it might have came like i I, you know i feel like it might have came at the expense possibly in um after the fact of uh of some people's um you know privacy and their agency and so that's something that i'm going to talk with everyone about but uh yeah you know it's just something i wanted to touch on because it was a a tremendous learning opportunity for me and it's something that you know i'm going to be much more mindful of going forward is like what environment are you trying to have these conversations in because these conversations are important but there is a you know there is a time and a place to um you know bring a bring a group of people together and say like hey let's have this uh, casual conversation in a really stressful environment like you know you're like okay probably you know probably you're going to take a uh, i'm going to take a loss on that one and uh, and you know definitely wasn't one of my uh defining uh you know shining moments for sure so you know that's something I'll uh, chat with everyone about but uh but yeah you know it's just i think it's important to um it's important to acknowledge when you know, you've, uh, when you've, you know, there's been an error in judgment and, uh, and, and people were affected in a, uh, in a negative way, regardless if that's your intent or not. It's like, you know, if people are affected in a negative way, you have to, you have to acknowledge that. The last thing I wanted to say is that, um, you know, I, I just do want to, you know, kind of put it out there that, uh, as we kind of transition into the, uh, into the, the latter half, um, of our, uh, of our BB can story, um, I really want to take a second and honestly, like thank a few very specific people who did, uh, you know, play the game with me. Um, just because it was something that, uh, in terms of my mental health, there was a, there was a choice few individuals who, um, who I felt comfortable sharing with and who, uh, and who were very much there for me, um, you know, through the, through the, the ups and downs and who had great conversations with me. And that was, um, you know, Gino, Jess, Marty and Moose, um, and Steph, like those were, those were some people who, uh, really like you know really went out of their way you know i know with uh with moose the night before i left like obviously i'd put moose up on the block uh moose was somebody who i knew from outside of the game i absolutely adore moose i think he's a fantastic person and i and i very much am excited to see kind of like what he uh, goes on and, and does in life and i'll be cheering him on every step of the way for sure um but we had a really great conversation and he was somebody who really very much um you know saw the saw the um conversations that we were having about mental health as being uh these hugely beneficial uh things and that was just you know it was just great to to chat with somebody um who uh who also saw a value in uh, in sharing experiences which was great um as i said before marty and i we were very much there for each other in the first few weeks of that game um, making sure that we were acclimating to the environment uh you know to the best of our abilities um you know gino is my boy god the guys had a whirlwind of a season, uh, you know, we both have. And, um, you know, he, he was somebody who always created space for me. He always was there for me. He was just like the, the, the best, um, just, just a, just a fantastic human being. Um, always, you know, they were always willing to have the, the tougher conversations if need be. They were always willing to open up about, uh, what they were, you know, or they were always willing to share with me. And that always meant a lot. And, uh, we had plenty of really amazing, you know, person to person conversations, um, that were, uh, that were great. And then, as I said, Steph, uh, Steph is a, is a tried and true mental health professional. She is absolutely she's just great. And, and, uh, to have her perspective on, uh, some certain, you know, when we were just talking about, uh, you know, certain things that have happened in our lives and certain things that we went through and, uh, you know, traumas that we've experienced and, 
um, you know, mental health issues that we've survived. Like we, you know, we, we bonded over that and it was, uh, it was, it was beautiful. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, to those people in particular, definitely just want to, uh, just want to make sure that they know that, um, they made my, uh, they made my time in that house from a mental standpoint. Um, they made it a lot, uh, a lot easier because there was definitely times when, uh, things, things took a dive. Um, and, uh, and speaking of, uh, taking a dive as, uh, in glorious fashion as you rise to the top and quickly plummet down to earth uh as icarus did um there is always a uh, there's always an aftermath there's always a uh, another part of the story and uh let's talk about that right now and now we find ourselves at the end of this chapter um working our way towards the end Obviously, this is something that uh, the story is still being written for sure. But um, after I left the house, uh, it's certainly a it's certainly a pretty jarring experience to be dropped back into uh, to regular life. I was a pre jury eviction, so um, they flew me home pretty quick after I was evicted. Uh, and I remember that after you go from complete isolation uh, for the twenty seven days that I was in the house plus. Um, the time that I was uh, that I was in sequester and you get dropped off at Pearson Airport and you haven't talked with anybody or, you know, you have your phone in your hand for the first time uh, in, in a really long like for, you know, for a while. And um, and it's so it's so uh, yeah, it's 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 quite a bit. So I, I was really kind of thankful, honestly, that I got to come home so quickly because it did give me some time to. Um, decompress what the past month has been uh, the the focus of the past month has been for me is been to kind of like mentally decelerate Um, you know I I talked about the fact that that was a whole year of my life that I was ramping up ramping up ramping up Um, you know invested like doubling down on the investment more and more and more continuously before you know as like leading up to the house and then being in the house going through all of the you know the the high of the high of the highest of the highs and the lowest of the low like you're just completely it is a roller coaster wild ride pressure cooker um it's it's so mentally trying and and so stressful and it takes so much out of you and it drains your batteries and so now that i'm back home i'm just working on on coming down from that emotionally draining experience i'm working on just kind of like settling back into my day-to-day life i have spent time with my my family my mom and my dad i've you know taken time to you know i didn't jump right back into work or into the podcast um i've been able to take some time to just kind of like just kind of try to feel a little bit more like me i think the way that i would describe it is like i i think that you know as you're floating up higher and higher and higher as you're flying closer and closer and closer to the sun um what differentiates you know my story from Icarus is that I'm able to I'm able to control my fall um and I want to make sure that uh you know the the fall itself you know I haven't watched any of the episodes of Big Brother that I was on I've watched everything since I've been evicted but I haven't watched anything that had me on it because I just think just to watch that to watch how because obviously you know production is going to you know they they have a story to tell. They want to create narratives, and and it makes the the show more captivating. Um, but you know there there's certain you know things that uh, you you just kind of like you know I live that experience. You know I really want to. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking with people about their experiences on the show. Um, uh, you know it's it's lovely. I've had a con- I've had conversations with everybody that uh, left pre jury, um, more or less, and so 
that's been really nice to hear about the game from other people's perspectives. That's just been great. And, and, you know, as I, as I, as I flew and, and, you know, I'm still like, I just, I, I'm, I'm really like in the meditations and in the focuses now, like in this, in this coming back down and, and controlling this, this fall back down to earth, uh, as it were, I just can't like my, my, biggest thing in this mindset that I'm trying to have is, is one of, of, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, kind of adopt from, uh, stoicism in terms of, um, you know, the, the, these things that have happened, like, you know, this mindset that I went into it, that I'm a winner regardless, like, that's not something that's, that's not something that's, that's left me regardless of the fact that, uh, you know, I had a, I had a pretty wild ride in there and, uh, everything was a little bit all over the place and didn't quite go as planned. And, and I didn't live up to these lofty expectations that I had for myself. Um, regardless of all of that, like I'm still very much a winner in terms of actually, you know, having the, the faith in myself to go and participate in something like that. And I'm just enjoying the fact that from that experience, there were so many different lessons that I'm able to learn from it. It gave me time to focus on like, you know, something is something like my work in mental health advocacy. Like, what does it mean to be an advocate? Where do I want to have impact? You know, where do I want to make a difference? What, you know, what education route do I want to go to continue to further myself within this field? Um, You know, how can I grow in the space professionally? Uh, The future of life's direct media, you know, like, what do I want this media? You know, I want to be able to work for myself and I want to be able to continue to work in the mental health space. And I want to develop in that space one way or another. I mean, this podcast has been a little bit different than a lot of others because of the fact that it is somewhat of just a reflective meditation on what has transpired over the past uh, year in terms of uh, Big Brother Canada. But, you know, how do I want to present the podcast? How do I want to present the the Better Tomorrow clothing? Like, you know, what what kind of things do I want to do? What kind of projects do I want to be working on? How do I want to grow the team and build the business? And it, it just gave me so much perspective. It truly, like... I'm only in, the only thing that I can control is just, is, is, you know, how I move forward, what I take, what I learn, how I continue to better myself every day. That's the only thing that I have control over. And I'm taking a lot of solace in that. Like, listen, there's a ton of people on social media who are, who are more than happy to drag me. And I completely understand. I mean, like, Hey, if you know, I I think it's a waste of your time. But at the same time, I have no control over what you deem as important or, or, you know, the, um, what you think you're, uh, you know, you're entitled to say, I think the sense of entitlement is pretty interesting, um, coming from so many people who, uh, you know, you go and you experience something that's so, so incredibly taxing. And then you come out and you've got people who, who are just continue like, they just want to, uh, they just want to tear you down as much as they can. Um, that was definitely something that was, that was really eye opening after the experience. The fact that I was kind of Picked from the litter, as it were, uh, with like the social media landscape surrounding Big Brother, where people were like, "Yeah, like you know, this is Kyle Moore. This is the guy that we, uh, you know, this is the guy that we want to participate." Um, and then to uh, and, and then to see, you know, how quickly people turn on you to uh, you know perpetuate their own narratives, and and they want to kind of push their own uh, their own agendas, and they just want to, you know, they just want to spread hate, and you're just, you know, it's it's tough. It's like you know, you you see that, and you're just kind of like, ah, oh, you you feel bad. I mean, I genuinely like it, you know, if people, I, I really, you know, I hope people understand that, like, 
you know, I, I'm just going to like, regardless of what you say, I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to develop as a human being. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to tear myself down and bash myself and say, you know what? Throw it all away. Throw all the work away. A couple of people on Twitter don't like me. Like it's, it's, it's like, it's silly. If you really truly believe that your words hold that much power over somebody else, you got to give yourself a reality check because it's, it's certainly not true. Um, it's pretty easy to, uh, and, and granted it's, it's always easy to, uh, you know, jeer from the sidelines, but, uh, to go in and put yourself in such a vulnerable position, um, you know, and, and to come out and, and want to use the lessons that you've learned for good and all those things like, you know, I'll take that as a, I'll, I'll chalk that up as a win any day. So, so now that I'm, you know, now that I'm out of the house and I'm back home and the finale is coming up and I, I'm really excited to go back for the, for the finale, because even though that I know that, you know, that might bring up some, some of the tougher emotions of being back in that, uh, being back in that environment, being surrounded by people who, you know, I'm, I'm pre-jury. I got to go home and decompress from the game. There's so many people who are still in that absolute game mode and who have been in that game mode for three times longer than I have. So, you know, I know that their headspaces are going to be, you know, different than mine. I know that where they're at in their healing from something like this. Uh, and, you know, hey, regardless, like there is healing to be done on all levels, regardless if you win or whatever, there is there is definite healing to be done after an experience like that. Um, and so everyone's going to be at different stages. But like for me, it is the fact that this this part of my life I already know is going to be one that is going to from this time of my life right now, there is going to be so much good. And I promise you this, there is going to be so many positives that spring from this opportunity. And, and, uh, you know, so many learning, like so many lessons that, uh, that I'm taking with me as I continue to, uh, as I continue to, you know, live a, you know, live this life. Um, you know, I think being confronted with my own, own mortality at such a, such a young age, dealing with mental health issues for so long and, and, you know, being like, uh, you know, you know, being in really dark places, um, at times, like it just, it, it, you know, it gives me this, uh, it gives me this appreciation for the time that I do have and, and what can I do? You know, how, you know, I, I'm a big believer. I said, I going into the house, I wanted to be the greatest to ever play that game. And I think it, and I think that that's the mindset you, that, uh, you know, I, I go into a lot of things with, and I think that anything that you care about truly and, and deeply, like you should go in and, and want to be, you know, want to be the best, you know, that you can be, um, continuously striving towards that. And I think that like the fact that I have an opportunity now to, um, you know, I have an opportunity to look at life through a different lens an opportunity to, to take, you know, crucial, like really substantial life lessons, you know, in, at 23, and I get to apply them to, uh, to, to, you know, this work and this field and my life and the relationships in my life. Like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the, I'm just enjoying the perspective. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying like, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, you're looking at the, you know, it's like you went over the waterfall in the barrel, but now you're, now you're just looking back at the waterfall and you're like, wow, it was pretty, there's a lot that uh, went through my head. You know, this is a pretty beautiful thing to, to look back on and reflect on. It's listen, I have control over me. I have control over nothing else. And, uh, the one promise that I'm, you know, and I said that I promise, you know, you, but it's truly a promise to myself is that, you know, all of this is, you know, regardless, like, you know, I'm in control of my attitude. And that's the thing is if anybody's ever like, you know, like you, you are only responsible for you. And I think that that's the biggest thing. And that's not something that is uh, ignorant or selfish. Like that is true. Like you are truly only, you know, you're only responsible for your, um, you know, your, your attitude and, and your approach to things. And, um, yeah, this is, uh, you know, it, it's exciting to know that, um, as this, uh, as, as this chapter, as I go to finale and this chapter is truly kind of closed and I move on to the next 
part of my life. And, you know, this has been a pretty interesting chapter for sure. It's, (laughs) it is, it has been, it's, it's really, it's really, really, really been something. Big brother has played a substantial, substantial role in my life for, for the past year, 365 days plus that big brother, big brother Canada has had a substantial hold on my life. And, uh, and it's something that I'm going to continue to, uh, to leverage to, uh, you know, open doors and opportunities and continue to, uh, spread mental health awareness and help destigmatize conversations surrounding mental health. Um, it's just, it's just so, yeah, going, going back to the finale, my, I guess in my, my perspective, I'm going back is it's just like, you know, like, wow you know, the end of, of something like this, you know, it's something that will, it's something that will always be with me, but it is the end of the chapter. The next chapter begins. And I am very much, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to doing that, to continuing to, to heal. I'm in therapy right now. Um, after the house, I, I went back into therapy. Um, I'm handling some, uh, you know, I'm handling some of those, uh, those, those, harder obstacles to, uh, to navigate with professional help. Um, I'm really thankful that, 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 that help was available to me. And, and that's something that I'm going to continue to advocate for is for that help to be more widely available. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like I just, I just, I'm, I'm proud of how I'm handling, uh, everything on the, on the back end. It's, uh, it's just, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty surreal. It's, it's just, oh man, even as I'm recording this, like this is a, this podcast, for, for God's sakes, like this is something I've been looking at for, for three weeks going, okay, well, yeah, like, oh, I can, can tinker with that. And oh, okay. And oh, yeah, that doesn't really make sense and, and whatever. And it's just like, it's nothing's perfect. You know, this idea that it has to, it has to check all these boxes. Like, you know, I wanted this podcast to be, um, to be perfect, you know, when I, when I first came out and then I just kind of continuously remind myself that perfection has never served me. It didn't serve me in the house, hasn't served me uh, in my life leading up to now. And this is, you know, this is the, the beauty of something like this is that I can, I can keep talking about it. I can keep talking about it. It doesn't have to be the entire package tied up with a nice bow. It can be, you know, we can, we, you know, I can work through it, but when when you when you go through something like that, it doesn't have to be something that is instantaneously figured out, and you're like, "Yep, boom, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, got that all figured out, and I'm on to the next." Like it is something that will will stick with you, and it is something that you will have to continuously address, and that's the that is the best part. So sitting down today, it is a rainy day here in Halifax, and I'm just looking out my window, doing what makes me truly truly happy, that brings me so much peace, which is just talking to the the mic and uh and tell a story and tell a story in a bit of a different way but still just tell a story you know add a little uh, add a little extra this one's uh, for jc lynn um if she ever listens to it uh you know a little extra juge a little extra je ne sais quoi you know you just uh you just spice it up a little bit but it's still it is storytelling and it is and it is what i think uh you know it's what i think makes impact and so i'm i'm proud to have just sat down and and talked through some of it um some of it may have been more eloquent than other uh, other spots but it's my story and it's the one that i will uh that i am looking forward to continuously continuing um to write so i really want to thank each and every person who has come along with me who has been a a character in this chapter who has been a part of this of this specific you know bb can journey for me um, you know, the people who have supported me, my friends and family, the people who watched through, you know, watched through the cringing and, and why, you know, watched through the stress of the season and, and still supported me. And those who, uh, you know, have reached out and told me their mental health stories and, and who have felt comfortable to share what they're going through and who talk about the impact that, uh, you know, 
me talking about mental health openly in the house had on them you know like I just want you guys to know that that kind of stuff it, you know I'm so thankful that you were that you were part of this with me um, I'm so thankful that uh, you know in this uh, in this this fleeting life that we have as every second uh, you know is is given back to uh, to death and we march forward and I'm just uh, I'm just glad that uh, you know in some way that uh, we crossed you know we crossed paths and that you were you were part of this for me because this is a hugely transformative part of my life and anybody who uh, anybody who was here with me doing it it just means it means the world so uh, thank you guys I love you I appreciate you so much and uh, that is gonna do it another chapter in the book of a man whose life is an absolute beautiful twisted brilliant wreck Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.